Well, it's the Only One Shot Golf Podcast, and I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Thanks for uh, all these loyal listeners that have been out there listening to us and appreciate the uh, big support you've had over these last uh, couple of years. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available at Amazon. That was written by VJ Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Today we have the Duke University women's golf coach, Dan Brooks, with us. He's won seven national championships, 21 ACC championships, 140 team wins, 15 ACC individual winners, and four individuals in the NCAA. It's just an incredible 37 years, the most in D1 history of team wins. Uh, had an incredible career there at Duke. They continue to be a top team. And uh, let's get uh, Dan on the phone, and uh, we'll hear from him, get to know him just a little bit better. All right, I'm excited to have Duke University women's golf coach Dan Brooks with us today. Dan, thanks for spending some time with me. Absolutely. Great to be here. Well, we've known each other. Uh, my daughter, Mary Langdon, is my oldest, and that was been, I guess she's been out of college eight years now and, and watched your teams grow and get so much better. But how did you get started playing golf, and who was kind of your big influences early on? Oh, boy. I, what, uh, I always say that I didn't really have any choice in the matter by the time I was aware that I was even alive, somebody put a golf club in my hand. (laughs) I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. My uh, grandfather was a golf professional, the kind that uh, sort of pulls all the hoses and, you know, mows the greens and also sells the greens fees. So, yeah, he lived lived in an apartment that was attached to uh, the clubhouse and on a nine-hole golf course. And so that's where we always went to, you know, for vacations and stuff. And so it was kind of built right into the, into the plan. Did he uh, have you out there working some mornings when you came out to visit or did he let you just enjoy your vacation? Yeah, well, after a while we started working for him, you know, when we got okay. into high school and yeah. stuff, we'd spent some summers down there working, but uh, he was four hours away from where I grew up. So it was, it was always a destination vacation thing. We just spent a couple of weeks in the summer helping him out where did you grow up baker city oregon okay so you are from oregon because that's where you end up going to college uh is that why you end up going to oregon state or do you have some other choices uh you know i wasn't any kind of a special player and there was a chance to get on the golf team and um you know oregon state wasn't any kind of powerhouse so i could stay in the state and and play on the golf team and seemed like a natural what was that experience like playing college golf, you know, going from junior golf to college golf? Well, one thing I found out is that they play real golf courses. <laughs> and there's a you, difference. <laughs> yeah, when you grow up in eastern Oregon, I mean, one of the things we used to say is swing hard because if you hit it into the other fairway, you want to hit it way into the other fairway so you can get over the row of trees that's between the that's two true. fairways. That's true. I mean, we literally you just get up and and just it was all about hitting it really hard, and uh, and then I learned it, the game's really about finesse and you know being able to have a short game and you know I don't there was one bunker on my golf course that I grew up on. Wow, is that right? That's wild, just <laughs> yeah, one bunker. Yeah. So you got to college, yeah. you say, hey, they got a lot of these little suckers out here. We're in trouble here. That's <laughs> that's quite yeah, right. So even par even par turned into seventy six. Yeah, well, in a a heartbeat, exactly, almost immediately. Exactly. (laughs) So, how did you get into coaching? Who kind of gave you your first job? 
<clears throat> well, I went to Boise, Idaho to be an assistant pro okay. uh, after college and really didn't have the idea that I was going to be in the golf business. I was really going to go back to school and get a grad degree or something, and I just fell in love with teaching. I, I worked at Crane Creek Country Club in Boise, Idaho, and discovered that uh, teaching was what I wanted to do, teaching the golf swing. And, um, you know, I just kind of hit me over the head. So, and I worked for a guy named Stoney Brown who was into teaching and had just a beautiful swing. So I had that model, him as a model there and, and, uh, and, and him as a bit of a mentor, had some, he was a very bright guy and, you know, uh, Stoney's a wonderful person anyway. So I got kind of hooked on that. And then the, the golf coach at Boise state, Lyman Gallup, walked in and said, uh, Hey, you might want to take a look at this. And I said, what's this? He says, well, it's a, it's a coaching job at Duke university. And I said, well, I don't want to move to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, well, look at it. You won't have to. He said, it's an in Texas. <laughs> that's funny now. <laughs> so that's how much I knew about Duke. I, I had no idea where Duke was. Right. Right. <laughs> when you grow up in Eastern Oregon and Southern Iowa, you don't know where anything is. So, right. You know, I just, I think I confused it with some other short name like Rice or SMU or something like that. <laughs> one of the initial schools. <laughs> yeah, one of those, one of those short things. So anyway, I uh, that was it. You know, I I interviewed and I've been here ever since. I was twenty five. Wow, that's amazing. What attracted you to teaching the golf swing? What what kind of got you hooked on and trying to learn more about the golf swing and teaching? I think because I struggled so much with it and didn't ever have any real instruction. Okay. And uh, and I really wanted to be good, but I had very little instruction, so I was kind of digging it out any way I could. And and then I was in a place where you know I could actually find out a little bit about it. And and uh, just I think my own struggles just just wanted to. And then I realized, wow, this is I'm finding out about it, but I I also like helping other people with it and we we have a bunch of teachers in my family so i think it's kind of a little bit in my dna a little bit so yeah that's interesting because you'll see a lot of uh, you know i've talked to a lot of coaches on my podcast and and they'll have uh, parents who are teachers or coaches and it kind of falls in there and it's a lot of times you'll see even golf instruction teachers as someone who tried to figure out why maybe Either they didn't make it or why they struggled, and they get into teaching, and they really learn so much about it, and they can, hey, I can help somebody, and it's that, it's that gift that you give somebody that, hey, I can actually help somebody, and and that's when they, I think you're attracted to the teaching part of it. But what was Duke? What yep. were the Duke? What was the Duke's women's team like when you took over? There were uh, there were ten women on the team, um, and I I came into a job like back then that was mid eighties mm-hmm. before. And you sort of did everything, right? You didn't, like, there were no assistant coaches, and Coach Rod Myers and I ran the golf course. I was kind of his assistant also um, on the golf team, but but, uh, I was the assistant pro for running the golf course and then had 10 women on the team. So the expectations were a lot lower as far as what the team expected of the program just because we didn't have the – resources coach didn't have the time so uh, it was pretty 10 pretty self-sufficient women they were they were really a lot of fun and i just really enjoyed that group um i'd never done anything like that 
and I was pretty close in age to them. So it was, it was pretty cool, but, uh, uh, I don't know. They were just, just wonderful, uh, women that sort of right from the start, I think I had people that could, could, uh, understand the situation took a lot of responsibility and that helped a lot in, in a situation where your resources were thin so it, it started off um a lot of fun and the coach before me ron schmidt uh, who eventually became the director of our director of our fundraising uh part of of the athletic department um had done a great job. He had brought in Sarah LeBron, yep. who is now Sarah LeBron Ingram, and Evelyn Orley, um, who was also a, just an excellent placer, player in her in her same class. So they were freshmen when I was a freshman coach. So I got I got a great running start from Ron. He yeah, really you did. That's set what... me up. I mean, that meant so much to have that that level of character on the team amongst the ten women. And then to have that kind of talent base, I had a huge running start. Yeah, because y'all ended up finishing, I think, 16th at the end of the year. And Sissy was going to ask me if you, about yep. Sarah because I, I, she was thinking it was really close to your first year there. But it's yep. it's interesting because I played Duke University golf course. You know, we, I played at Tennessee, and, and Coach uh-huh. Myers was there. And it was always a good golf course. And it, it the job's changed quite a bit since you took over. Uh, and so have the facil- yeah. f- facilities there. Everything, now. everything, yeah. What do you think the biggest, yep. what's been the, you know, not the biggest change, but what are some of the changes you've seen over the years to where you are now? Of course, having assistant coaches and then the golf course changing. What are some of the changes just in facilities and in the way you're able to recruit kids in there? Well, when I started, we, we've always had a facility that's on campus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that right there is, is just a golden thing to have and, that's never going away. So at least I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> but that, you know, that is such a wonderful thing. What we didn't have was any sort of decent conditions. I mean, the course was in such bad shape. You might remember mm-hmm. something like that. Oh yeah. If you were playing back then, a great, great track, very challenging, but in terrible shape. Uh, my, there was an, I had no office. I shared one with Rod, which was a little tiny thing. And it was right in the pro shop, uh, right in the golf shop because we were, running the golf course every bit as much as we were coaching our teams. Wow. You know, there was no, there was no emphasis on one or the other. It was all just, this is the job. Let's get it done on a gut in a, in a, in a clubhouse that was falling apart and was going to be torn down and a hotel was going to replace it. So as you can imagine, as, as uh, universities might operate, it takes a while to do things. So we just, we had a building that nothing was going into it. Um, and it was going to be replaced, but Rod and I had to keep it going. So, so we had a lot of, lot of little tasks and what I've seen change is just unbelievable. I mean, we now have a four-star hotel called the Washington Duke Inn that's right where that, that clubhouse was. We are no longer right in the golf shop. Uh, We're in fact, we're on the opposite end of the hotel, which has made it so that we can, really focus on our world, you know, of, mm-hmm. of making sure we do it right by the recruits and the teams and everything. So that's totally different. The golf course, because we built, built a four-star hotel, a golf course became much better conditioned because you can't have a four-star no. hotel on a golf course that's struggling. So that, 
made the golf course better. Um, my office is way bigger than anything I ever used to have. You actually have one. <laughs> I actually have one now. Yeah. And, and, uh, and even when I got one over in the other situation, it was much, much smaller, but this is, this is just, it's, it's a totally different picture. We now have our own varsity golf area, which is uh, co- totally separate from everything else where we, you know, have a building with all the equipment, Trackman and Swing Cat, and you know um, all all of the everything you'd ever need, Sam Putt Lab, all that kind of stuff. So we're all set up with a varsity golf area that's great, and it's just I've I've seen it change so much. It's part of the reason I'm still here because you know in these 37 years, uh, I had an athletic director that that uh, loved golf, Tom mm-hmm. Butters, and so he just gradually improved everything and then ever since then joe oliva and uh, kevin white and now nina king we've had great ad's and they've really uh supported our efforts i think that's the key to any because we're seeing all these different universities you know kind of putting some money into the programs and you got to have an athletic department that supports you but how much of an advantage is it to have your own course where you can kind of play when you want and also have your facility right there is that that's got to be a big advantage when recruiting yeah, I, the thing that I um, think that helps us the most, because we're a pretty academic place, oh, yeah. but we've got between between the chapel, which is the Duke Chapel is the dead center of West Campus. West Campus is main campus. And our first tee is 1,400 yards, and I know that because I took a rangefinder and <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> I, I tried to shoot it from the top of the chapel, but I couldn't get through the trees, so I had to do it from <laughs> this building to this building to this building, and I found out it's 1,400 yards. And I think proximity is our um, is our, our kind of our selling point. Um, you know, if you come here, between the chapel – and the golf course is everything you'll need as a student athlete, including student health. Hmm. So not only not only our training room and all of that stuff and a doctor that we have there, but we also have student health between there, plus your academic stuff, the business office, the entire athletic development. You know, you walk right by the football field and Cameron Indoor Stadium and everything from that dead center of campus coming over to the golf course. So you know, answer to your question, having your own facility 1,400 yards away and then everything you need between the center of campus and here. Uh, that's pretty that's convenient. Huge. Yeah, big yeah, time. That's, that's, and convenience at an academic place is really important. You yep. don't spend, you know, we've had plenty of people come on the team and not have a car. Mm-hmm. So uh, never have a car the whole time they're here. So, and it's just, you know, you can't manage that if you're, if you got to travel to a golf course. So. I think that's how that's part of the way we're able to pull off some pretty cool things. Absolutely. And you talk about academics. So when you're out recruiting a player, what are some of the things you're looking for for our listeners, the kids that are listening for, you know, what are you looking for in a player uh, to play at Duke? Well, I probably like a lot of coaches. I hope the weather's terrible when I recruit because <laughs> I want to know what they got. You know, I want to know, we play a lot of college golf in less than perfect weather mm-hmm. and, I want to know how tough they are and, you know, whether they can stay positive, whether they can recover. Um, we're looking for way more than whether you can hit a beautiful golf shot on a perfectly sunny day. Um, Cause golf is made up of, <laughs> as you might know, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> golf is not 
uh, that. It is, you, you hope for that, but it's really how tough are you? And, and, uh, and then you look to see, you know, how, how they just seem to be in this world, you know, like, are they, are they happy? Are they, do they, are they, do they seem to be pretty liked, you know, by others? Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes you even use the parking lot. Like what's the conversation look like at the, at the trunk, you mm -hmm. know, in the, in the parking lot, they getting yelled at, or, you know, is it, is it always a pouty kind of a thing? It, you just sort of get a sense for people. Mm -hmm. And um, then you got to, then they also need to turn in low scores. They need to turn in low scores at, at long distances. And, and when the field is, is good. And, you know, that's, that's a hard thing for some kids to do, you know, and it's just, um, some can do it. Some yeah. can play in the junior girls and play the best golf they ever played in the junior girls and, and do it on a long golf course and, you know, other, other really challenging situations against good players. Yeah. I that's think, what we're looking for. Yeah. And I also think it takes sometimes kids, you know, I don't think they top off, but they may as good as they get is going to be junior golf or even college golf. And that's nothing wrong with that, but that's sometimes you can't judge yeah. that and measure that, how good they're going to be. Uh, yep. but a lot of it's the people, I mean, cause it's, you're in a small group and you're going to spend 90% of your time with that small group. Like you said, 10, 12 people. Yeah. And it's yeah. big to that. How would you describe your coaching philosophy or some, maybe your strategy when it comes to your teaching and coaching? Uh, I don't know. I came up with an expression that I think is good, uh, freedom within a structure. And I think mm. that's sort of how you have to handle a golfer, right? If you, mm -hmm. if you just give them total freedom, which is the way I started when I started out and I had all that stuff on my plate, you know, running the golf course and everything falling apart. So I just said, Hey, look, you know, this is one, <laughs> this is a bit exaggerated, but basically this is when you need to get in the van and, <laughs> and, and this is when we're going to qualify and I'll see you after a while, you know, that's exaggerated, but it was more along those lines um, because we had so much going on and, what you what I found out is that that was not because every college uh, student athlete has a lot on their plate, and if you don't define what is expected of them, mm -hmm. if you just nice guy it, like yeah, you know, do whatever you can. I know you want to qualify, so that means you're going to work, and if you don't work, you won't qualify. So you think you're being a great guy, just giving them this freedom, and that's just not that's no good. Um, because they have a lot pulling at them. I don't care if you're a Duke or anywhere, you have a lot pulling mm. at you. You have friends, you have professors, you have all sorts of things in your life. And if nobody ever says to you, this will make, this should make you feel good. If you do this, this, and this for your team, then you can put team aside, not even think about it until the next time you have to do a team thing. See what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, it, but if you just leave it wide open, then they never know if they're doing the, doing enough or not enough or too much in every area of their life, lives. And then I don't think you come out of that feeling like you're really good. I mean, part of what we're trying to do with golfers is get them to feel great about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you look for ways to make sure that they know that they a job well done. They go to bed at night. I did a great job. And then you're building self-esteem because mm -hmm. they're clear on what they were supposed to do. And they did that job. Um, and, you know, 
if you think self-esteem is good for golf, then you're probably on the right track. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you beat yourself up enough, and it's and it's like I remember sister oh, telling me, God. "Do you talk to your kids like that? Like you talk to yourself?" I go, "Well, not really. No. Well, then why would you do that?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. makes sense." But I, I think even in teaching and coaching, I think it's even in parenting. If you're fair and consistent, you can get the most out of them, and then you got to sometimes tell them the truth, not what they want to hear. Uh, oh man and i think that's that's the toughest challenges for coaches or even parents that are even listening now i mean if if you're fair and consistent you can discipline them you can get them to do things but you got to tell them the truth because you can't sure because the world's not sugar-coated no and then if you if you start you know it's a strong word but if you start lying to golfers in Mm -hmm. other words um you know i do plenty of working with people on the team and if you start you know you got it's very tempting. You got something coming up, a tournament coming up. You don't think they're looking that good. The swing's just not looking that good. But if you start saying, "Oh, it looks great," yeah. because you think it's going to make them play better tomorrow, um, you're going to lose somebody if you do that. So I tell them all the time, you know, you're going to hear the truth because I'm not just going to make you feel better for tomorrow. We got to, we're we're a lot more long term than that. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. What separates Duke from I, – I should ask the question because you've coached for so long, not so much Duke, but what separates that elite player or even your elite teams you've had for so long? What separates that elite player from maybe the rest uh, that are out there? Is there something you uh, kind of see? There's a lot of factors I know. Yeah, these are great questions. Um, well, let's just let's just assume the talent is there. I mean, you've got it. Let's, let's say that that's just – across the board the physical talent is there what's the the going beyond that is the only word i keep going back to is toughness mm-hmm. just toughness they you know they um it takes toughness to do almost everything that golf requires you you've got to be mentally tough enough to go do that extra half hour of short game that you really don't want to do. You got to be tough enough to look at your game and yourself and figure out what needs work and then choose to get up and go do it. That takes toughness. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times in college, you're not, you know, you're not operating on eight good hours of sleep night after night after night. So you've got to be tough enough to get yourself to do these things. And, uh, you know, I, I use Amanda Blumenhurst as an example. Mm-hmm. She never, she was three-time national player of the year on my team. Um, she never missed a workout in four years. Wow. And and we worked out a lot. Now, I would imagine that she didn't feel 100% for every workout for four years, but I never heard a word about it, not one thing. Wow. She just showed up. Yeah, I mean that's four. That's four straight years. That's pretty good. That's really good. Not one time, and that that that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and she's not the only. I've got a string of people: Leona McGuire, mm-hmm. uh, Lindy Duncan. Yep. These are people that just keep showing up. Weather doesn't seem to mess with them much because they got a job to do. They'll go down after a round. You know, these little things that just show that's tough. That that right there is an example of tough. And um, the, a lot of people talk like they're tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've softened yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you're right. I mean, I remember Dottie Pepper. I asked that question. I ask every 
guest and she said it's that inner drive to be great whatever it takes to be great and you've yeah. you nailed it on the head with that what are some of the adjustments you've had to make because you talked about working out and, and sissy asked me this just yesterday she goes did you guys work out i go no and i don't think it was anything that, i mean you may have done some stuff on your own but now you've got these trainers and the way they physically changed and worked out what are some of the biggest you know adjustments or changes you've seen just in the last four or five years with the workouts and the, and the things they're doing? Well, the lever, I think the level of expertise in that area for golfers is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We've got a guy named Alex Merrill who did his uh, master's degree on driver speed. You know? wow. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's way into it. And if he could do all golf, you know, he would be in heaven. He just loves the physical aspect of, of golf. And so that's a, what a wonderful thing to have, um, you know, to have somebody like that in your program, but basically you can do a lot in the, and I, I, it'd be interesting to have a golf team, uh, that doesn't do any of that right now and see how they would stack up because I think all of, all of the programs near the top are doing a lot. And it would be interesting to see if you could even make it, if you could even, I think you'd be playing a harder game. I think you'd be hitting it 10, 15 yards shorter mm-hmm. than, you know, and that, that, that's going to add up. No, I don't, I don't, I was watching just, uh, of course me playing at Tennessee, I was watching on Instagram, their workout in the morning. And I said, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way I could do that. Of course, I'm thinking yeah. I'm 60. When I was 20, I could probably <laughs> do it, but I just, yeah. it, and, I, I, and I even see it on the champions tour. Uh, you know, of course, we see it on the PJ yeah. Tour, just how much, you know, when Greg Norman came out, everybody's looking at him like, what are you doing? And then, of course, Tiger Woods took it to a whole new level. And now every single player, LPGA, PGA, Champions Tour, yeah. they, they all do it. And it's a lot about, like you said, speed. And that's where they're getting their yeah. speed. And, and I, I think the biggest thing, and just watching my girls go through it, is just how much better those people that are working out with them are and how more you know they're kind of specific for golf because a lot of times you'd get the uh, baseball or the softball coach or the whatever coach and it's completely different muscles and i think that's where it's uh, for me just seeing it now just in in current time uh, a lot of how it changes but we we going back to your teams your teams are getting better through the 90s and you win that first ncaa championship what was that uh that like after the the years putting all that time in to, to win that first ncaa championship yeah, it was just great. It was, yeah, it was 15 years. Um, and, uh, you know, like Bobby Jones in his seven lean years and seven fat years, I, I had 15, <laughs> 15 lean years. Um, and it was, but it was a blast. I mean, just building that. And then we finally, you know, I don't know if it always happens this way, but I know that it happened with us is that we got a player that made a big difference. Her name was Jenny Shasiraporn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, almost won the U S open against the repock. Yep. Um, that all that went into a, went into a 19 hole playoff and, and lost to her on the 19th hole. That, that woman. And what's cool is she's, uh, we're here, sitting there talking about her and she's about to go into the golf coaches association, the hall of fame. Um, and well-deserved. But anyway, Jenny, all, all the things you would hope for the toughness, the incredible talent and just a wonderful person to be around. So you get somebody like that on your team 
these golfers all know each other. They've played in junior tournaments together. You mm-hmm. get somebody like Jenny who's that good and that well-known and well-liked, that's going to make a big difference. So then we got Beth Bauer, Candy Hanneman, Kalen Anderson. So now we we started getting really good players to to follow in there, fall in there, and, and uh, that's how we won, you know. It just it takes – the right character, and it takes that incredible level of talent. Well, and other kids seeing that, hey, they've look at the success they're having. I want to go there. I want to be part of that. You went three. Right. You went three years in a row. How do you keep the consistency in that? How do you do that? I, mean, I, I don't know if there's one secret ingredient to yeah. that, but how do you keep that consistency going like you did for that this stretch that you've been going on? Yeah, well, the, the the three that we had in a row. What's amazing about that is that, and it wasn't all that incredibly comfortable, but for two of those three years, we only had five people on the team. Total. Mm. Nobody, nobody in the background, five people. Wow. So, and I, the reason I say that's incredible is that think about how often golf coaches say, well, you need to, you need to have somebody fighting for that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have seven or eight players all that can play so that you're constantly battling for that fifth spot. So I've always been impressed by those two teams that, had nobody nipping at their heels mm. and and we still won um that says a lot about them that that you can't that kind of character you know or that kind of drive as Dottie pepper said you know wow it was yeah very impressive exactly so, i mean we, we all talk about it everybody usually has a one or two it's those four and five players that make the difference and then when you don't yeah. have a back or somebody gets hurt <laughs> yeah, that, that was that too. Yeah, I had a few sleepless nights. We had two one at the championship in Oregon. Uh, we had two people that were going to the trainer in the morning for their wrists. Mm. Jeez, <laughs> so, it's not like we had anybody in the background. We took the five we had, and anyway, it was it's fun, but. Um, I don't know if I answered your question there. Was it, it was just uh, it's just a great. It's amazing the the consistency, and I think, like you said, you, 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 it's those stories. I, I don't even remember that story of those teams where you only had five players. That's just nuts, because you you see, and yeah. you, your teams have always, to me, had some depth. But to do that and then and win it all is is pretty amazing uh, when you look back at that. But you know, this year's team. I, I remember you saying, and I, I, I when I was working studio. Team went up, to, I think it was uh, up north, and it was really windy, uh, and you weren't sure. You know, everybody struggled up there, but at East Lake, and you talked about toughness, and it was really windy that second day, or the first or second day at East Lake, and just, you know, just the toughness of this team. But tell me about this year's team because it looks like uh, another good, solid team, a pretty solid fall. What's uh, what's the team look like? What would you adjust, or what would you, how would you measure this past fall? Yeah, I think we, well, it was a little bit of a mix. Speaking of that wind, we went up to the Windy City. Um, great name. It was mm-hmm. windy. And and we didn't play that well up there. Mm-hmm. Um, all the scores were high, really, in the tournament, but we we didn't place well at all. And and I thought, man, you know, we haven't had any wind this fall. We don't, we aren't a real windy place anyway. Right. We, we, uh, we just hadn't had any wind, and I think we were caught off guard playing in this wind. And and then we went down to East Lake and on that windy day. We played well. So, you know, and I saw some smart shots knocking it down. Maybe the experience in Chicago helped us at, at East Lake. 
you know, it might have been just great training for being able to handle that day at East Lake. What but, do you tell kids on a day like that when they? Uh, how do you prepare them for that? Obviously, the tournament helped, but is there anything you tell them that hey, you know, is there any kind of theory, any kind of shots you're trying to hit on a windy day like that? Yeah, that, that, I think what everybody that's played the game understands is that the last thing you want to do is is start trying to make a lofted club hit it lower, mm. right? Yeah. It's the last thing you want to do. Just hit, hit, take a club that's already not, not very lofted and put a smooth swing on it. Um, but I think so many people get into trying to knock something down, make a, make a five iron out of a seven iron or something. And, and that just spins yeah, the ball. And, yep. Then you're done. So just smooth swings, smooth swings with plenty of club and kind of keep it, keep it low that way yeah that's great advice because i think everybody they think well, we're gonna hit harder hit down on it and they just create more spin and and you're you're yeah. i struggled with the wind the same way i fought the wind and, instead of just playing yeah. it and 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 just playing the shots because a solid shot's gonna usually be pretty pretty effective in the wind exactly. yeah hold this line pretty darn well exactly a lot of things you guys are going through now uh and you've got gina kim they go to q school during the season that's got to be challenging for you coaches, and, and you're not trying to keep them from doing it, but it's always challenging when they're with tour school for the LPGA during the season. Kids got to make those decisions. How do you advise those players like a Gina Kim or even a Brooke Matthews or players like that when they're going through the tour school? What kind of advice do you give them before they go in there? And you know you'd rather have them playing for you as well. Yep. Well, I, as I said to Gina, I said, who? I said, what was your number one dream? to be a pro or to be a great college player. And mm. the answer is pretty, you know, yeah. kids have the dream to be a pro. So um, that's okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, well, now that you got an opportunity to play college golf, you have to drop your number one dream and care more about your second dream. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've got to honor their number one dream the drive to be a professional and I honor that. Um, I also know that she and anybody else in her situation have a memory for the rest of their lives. Hopefully. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're going to always know, um, what decision you made one way or the other, you're going to know it for the rest of your life. It's going to be. And so, You've got to dial that in, and we're going to respect whatever you decide because we do honor your dream, and we also care about playing great and winning the championship, and, and you're, our, you're our captain. Mm -hmm. So that's all just very that's, – that's truth saying right there. True. There's nothing there that's my opinion. Uh, that's just the truth. Right. You know, your your dream should be honored and you will have a memory. And and we're going to we're going to respect whatever you have to do. Nobody likes this situation. It's, it's such a shame. Yeah. It's such an incredible shame that somebody who is dedicated to this college thing that loves her team and I'm not talking about just Gina. No, that's everybody. About, yeah. I'm talking about everybody. They mm -hmm. they you know, you cannot, it's not as simple as saying, well, you obviously are not being respectful of your college who's given you this scholarship and you're, you know, it's no. not 
that simple. Not when you're talking about dreams and and you know who wants to give who wants to give the best players in the world a running start, right? <laughs> right? right. And so I just that was a non-answer to your question because it is hard. If it looks hard from the outside. It's harder on, on the inside. Get on, yeah, get on in here and be one of these players. Well, be I think one of these coaches. Think, it's just not easy. I think PGA Tour University they did for the men. Yes, I think that needs to be something for the women, and we've talked about that. Where maybe you do a two or three tournament series, and and they get some status, and it gives them something, and then they can go back. Where it, I. I there's got to be a better answer than the way it is because it's tough for yeah. these kids. Like you said, that's what they've dreamed about doing. You're not going to sit back. Uh, but my advice when I look at these players, if you're not going to get your, you know, full status on the on the LPGA, you go back to school, and, or you go if you get your card, you go play. If you don't, you go back because Symmetra Tour is so hard. It's so hard to, yeah. to make a living there. But you you got Virginia Elena Carter who yep. finished all her yep. school, and now she's going to be at the finals, yep. and, and, and she won an NCAA. So there's a difference routes to it. Uh, well, Le- Leona also, you yeah. know, Leona, yeah. look exactly. how good Leona is. And, yeah. and Celine Boutier, yeah. I mean, look at how they all finished, and they come back to Duke. When they make their alumni visits, they come back as somebody who who stayed all four years. And, you know, they've got the, – it's again, it's choices and memories. Yeah. And – I always tell them pro golf's always going to be there, and those four years of college aren't. And you got to, you know, just go enjoy it because when you play in the LPGA or the PGA Tour is not near as glamorous as they think, unless you're one of the top players. It's a grind. Yep. It's a it's a tough life, and and it was it blessed so I, me. I agree with you completely on that, and I will also honor whatever somebody who has had the dream has to decide but i completely agree with you on that yeah that's 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 the best answer you can give uh no question but a couple yeah. more and i'll let you go because i know you're busy when you look back at your you know 37 38 years here at duke what are you most proud of and i know you you're proud of a lot of things but what really kind of stands out maybe the most that you're the most fondest of boy that's a, that's a well, I, question yeah that well yeah and uh, I would say I'm most proud of I'm most proud of any help I've I've been able to provide to people in their in their life journey, not their golf journey, but their life journey. Mm-hmm. I'm most proud of, and a lot of time that that includes golf. You know, like your life journey includes learning how to play better. Learning how to play golf better is usually an improvement in your life somehow your your approach to life or whatever mm-hmm. and so um golf's golf's kind of a vehicle uh for me being a in a coach educational role and so i i'm proud of the way that we've used golf to help people in their journey in their life journey you kind of answer this question in that answer is i, I always ask the coaches how would you want your players to describe you as a coach or a person and you're kind of describing that in there, but how would you want them to describe you? Uh, simple cliche, but I think it became a cliche because it's good that I cared more about them than their golf. There you go. Great answer. Great way to end the podcast. Dan, I appreciate you spending some time with us. It's been a lot of fun. Good luck. I know the spring's coming. I'll be here before you know it. Uh, it's been quite a journey, uh, a life's journey, but you've enjoyed that journey and, and keep uh, keep on trucking along. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been great chatting with you. All right, bud. Thank you. Good luck to you, bud. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Cadillac But I've got the top row back On a southern born and cloudy day Down a long stretch of highway I know this day's gonna be my friend Long as I'm here, baby, in the flat lane